verses for you, and then we'll get right into the message. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling uh, of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. And so we're going to look at this tonight, and uh, Lord willing, we'll get to uh, some looking at some of the promises for scattered lives. Some of the promises for scattered lives here that God has for us. And so let's look at this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. We've prayed, gone over requests, and we've sung, and we've enjoyed it. And I thank you for it. Lord, as we turn to your word tonight, we just ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Father, that uh, your, by your spirit you would teach us tonight. You'd illuminate your word. Uh, Lord, you'd fill me with the, with the Holy Spirit. Give me the ability to preach tonight. And uh, Lord, as you do the work on hearts, Lord, that we'd have soft and tender hearts. God, that would respond to you. And we'd ask you to do that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I was having a conversation with this with this man one time. He owned a tattoo shop and he he was a very much a fan of of tattoos if you looked at him, if you know what I mean. He was uh, pretty tatted up everywhere. And I asked him, I said, "Tell me, do you th- are tat do you think tattoos are addictive?" And he said, "Yeah, I suppose so." And I said, why do you think that is? And he said this, don't miss this. He said, well, it's something that nobody can take from you. Think about that. He said, a tattoo is something that they put on, he puts on his body because nobody can take it away from him. Nobody can take it away from him. You know, we all live lives that are marked by loss. We do. You live long enough in this world and you are going to suffer loss. You're going to lose a job. You're going to lose a relationship. You're going to lose pets. You're going to uh, lose children and, and cousins and aunts and uncles. We, we, we all suffer loss in this world. And the longer that we live, the more loss that we're going to be acquainted with. And But, you know, we're not the only ones, though, who experience loss, are we? I mean, it's not just us. I mean, the, everybody in this world experiences loss. And there are those that have gone through a completely unimaginable loss that we can't even comprehend uh, that, that, we, that we hear about and maybe even know about. I was just talking to an individual uh, just yesterday, and his family has been in the Bahamas since the 1600s, 1650s. They were, they were, it was, of course, British controlled, and they were from England. And their family came into the Bahamas in the 1600s. And uh, he got talking about the Hurricane Dorian, that Cat 5 hurricane back in 2019. He said his brother's house was on another one of the little smaller islands, and, and uh, they had it locked down. And he was up on, on a ladder up in this upper area to keep because the the highest point of the Bahamas like is 170 feet off the water 
You know, that's one of the highest locations. And he said for 30, over 30 hours, over 30 hours, that Cat 5 hurricane sat over the Bahamas and just destroyed everything. He said there is no way to know how many people died. They have a death count, but you don't know. They have no clue to know how many people were washed out to sea. People woke up and they got up the next days when it was finally over. And you remember the scenes and you've seen them maybe on the television. And I mean, it was utter devastation and loss. And there are those that go through this and uh, a loss. And we know what that's like. But, you know, I think some of the most severe loss comes from religious attacks. Those can be some of the most severe. Some of them are severe because as uh, those of us who are in Christ, uh, we love people. We love the lost. We love those and have a, have, a, have a yearning for those to come to faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. Because if they don't, we know that their eternity is an eternity in the lake of fire. And we know that. And we love them. And so when, when, this, when religious, quote, religious uh, uh, persecution comes and loss comes, it's, really, it's quite a deal. If you've ever read the book by Richard Warmbrandt called Tortured for Christ, he details his time uh, tortured by the Russians, by the, by the, uh, by the, by the uh, communists, you know. And uh, he stood before Congress one day, I think it was back in the 1960s. I don't remember exactly the date, but it was almost like Congress didn't believe him. And he finally took his shirt off and the gasps that went across the, the hall there, it was just they were stunned how, at how mutilated his body was. Right. He said this in his book. He said, I was taken away from my wife and I did not know what happened to her. Only after many years, I learned that she had been put in prison too. Christian women suffered much more than men in prison. Girls have been raped by brutal guards. The mockery, the obscenity is horrible. The women were forced to work at hard labor, building a canal, filling the same workload as the men. They shoveled earth in winter. Prostitutes were made overseers and and competed in torturing the faithful. My wife had eaten grass like cattle to stay alive. Hungry prisoners ate rats and snakes in this canal. One of the joys of the guards on Sunday was to throw women into the Danube and then fish them out to laugh about them, to mock them about their wet bodies, to throw them back and fish them out again. My wife was thrown into the Danube in this manner. We can't fathom this. We can't fathom that kind of loss. This has been the, for the case for multitudes of, of believers, multitudes of Christians since the time of the Lord Jesus, since, since they were called Christians at Antioch and before, right? And even Peter here is going to be writing this, who himself understood persecution and who himself went to a martyr's death. But here in First Peter, he's writing to these, uh, these people who are what, he, what we would call, a, what he, the word used here is scattered. He's writing First Peter as a letter of encouragement to those that are facing manifold temptations. They are facing great struggles and great trials in their Christian life because of, of who they love and who they serve. And we see here in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ, we looked at that last week, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That word stranger just means foreigners, right? Foreigners. And that word scattered there is a compound word. And it's a compound word meaning the first part of it, dia, or okay, diaspora, diaspora, meaning throughout. And that word spora meaning scattered, like seed, right? There's a sense of 
a little bit of, I, I don't want to delve too far into this, uh, but there's a sense when you're scattering seed, there's, there's the, the visual aspect of just scattering almost to the wind. And you don't, you try to wait for not much of a windy day. You know, when, when they used to only scatter seed that way, they were pretty good at it, right? They knew what they were doing. I go out and I get grass seed and I go, right? <laughs> yeah. What happens, it just goes wherever it wants to go, Right. And it seems like these these believers, these strangers, were just scattered all over the place. It was it was no rhyme or reason. No, it wasn't moving from California to the most beautiful place on the planet in Southwest Missouri. It wasn't it wasn't something like that intentional, right? It seems like there there is an aspect here, but may, that maybe they were living in places they didn't choose. Right. They were they were dispersed abroad. What 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 was how did this how did this happen? Well, many believe that the Jews were scattered. Obviously, they're scattered way back during the Babylonian exile. But even more recent in the time, remember, at the Church of Jerusalem, great, uh, great um, trials came on the Church of Jerusalem and many of those scattered throughout the area. So I, have, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or caught the, if it ever caught your attention. As Paul is going on his missionary journeys, it seems like wherever he landed, have you noticed there is a Jewish synagogue far from Israel, right? And, you, and it's like they were all over the place. Well, what is this? Well, it's part of the diaspora. It's part of the, they were dispersed across. And obviously it wasn't just, uh, um, uh, Jews that Peter's talking about, he's talking about believers. We'll see, see later, he's speaking about Jewish believers, and he's also speaking about the, the Gentile believers, right? And so here we have a scattered people. He's, this is the audience that Peter is writing to, people scattered, right, because of tribulation. People scattered about, they're living where they don't want, we don't understand this in the United States of America. We don't know what it's like to be an expat because you have to. We don't know what it's like to run for our lives. We don't understand this at all. And uh, we just have to rely upon the Holy Spirit of God to really embed this into our heart to give us understanding of the gravity of what Peter's trying to encourage these people with here tonight. They were a scattered people. But notice verse number 2. It says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus... Wow, that's a mouthful, huh? Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So now he's dealing with the scattered people. Look here now, we're dealing with their, their, their spiritual position. He's laying the groundwork here. These are people who are in Christ Jesus. They are elect. What does that word elect mean? You're going to have to deal with it. It means chosen, right? It means chosen. Uh-oh, God just arbitrarily chose? No. He didn't arbitrarily choose. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. If you remember this when we preached through Ephesians, look at Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Notice verse 4. He hath chosen us where? What's the next two words after chosen us? 
in Him. Chosen, who's Him? Jesus Christ. So watch, we have been chosen in Christ, not outside of Christ. Not outside of Christ. Let me ask you this. Who was elect? How was Israel elect? Israel, do you know Israel's called elect? How was Israel called elect? Well, because by faith Abraham believed God. It was accounted unto him to, for righteousness. Watch this. So who was elect? Well, Abraham was because of belief. Belief first. So why is Israel called elect? Because they're all in Abraham. Yeah. They're all in Abraham. Yeah. Wait, they're in Christ here. We're in Christ. Election is in Christ. Look at this. Okay, you say, oh, wait, hold on. Here's the word predestinated. That comes up a lot nowadays, doesn't it? Predestinated. What, what was predestined? Salvation. What follows predestination? Having predestinated us unto what? The adoption of children. So you know what God predetermined before time began? Because Jesus himself was slain. You know, it was in the mind of God. It was, it was the plan of God. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. God determined at the very same time that he determined that Jesus was going to go to the cross and, and be the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It was determined then that all those who put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who were in Christ, God predetermined. He predetermined that those people, right, that do that, that he is going to, that he is uh going to uh, they're going to be predestined they're going to be chosen to the adoption of children know what God said I'm going to you you put your faith and trust in Christ you're going to come into the family like an adopted child you are legally watch legally going to be mine legally going to be mine but wait we're not biologically no but we're going to make you legally mine this is predestination. This is election. This is who Peter is talking about. Listen, the, the, the winds of Calvinism are just stirring up like you wouldn't believe. Uh, the, the things I read constantly of now, just of, uh, even a, a recent article I just read just, just the other day and just been looking at it again today of an independent Baptist and, and, and the way they're going about this, it's, it's unbelievable to me. And uh, it, is, it, is, it, is a, it is a false doctrine you, listen, we are chosen in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ. And so here he is, this, the, here, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, right? Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Yeah. You said, what is the foreknowledge? That's not, God didn't for, uh, forechoose, he just foreknew. He knew ahead of time. Hey, is God all-knowing? Listen, I know our brain is, is finite and we can't totally wrap our mind about all, around all of this. But just because God knows, it doesn't mean He determines. Just because He knows something doesn't mean He has determined it to happen. Remember David was running from Saul. He went into the, the priest. I just lost the name. He asked for the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, the Urim and the Thummim. And he, he was trying to get a hold of God to get direction. What do I do? And he asked, is Saul going to come here? God's all-knowing. What did he tell David? Yes. What did David do? He got up and he ran. Just because God foreknew didn't mean he predetermined. Now, okay, I know. You can go and say, well, then he determined that David wouldn't be... It just never ends, right? But God doesn't... Just because he knows, it doesn't mean he chooses. These people here, they're elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through, watch this, through sanctification 
of the Spirit. What is that? Jesus said, John six forty four. No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We know that John twelve thirty two. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. What is he talking about? The crucifixion, right? What did Jesus say? If I go to the cross, if I am crucified, if I, if I pay the atoning, if I lay out my atoning blood for sin, I will draw all men unto me. That's how many's all? Yeah, all. I love 1 John 2, 2. And he is the propitiation. He's the, he's the payment for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm sorry, I, I just, you can't get around the Word of God. Amen. So it's through the, watch, he's talking to this people. This, I, I want you to understand your position tonight. You are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. How, how are you elect? Because watch, through the sanctification of the Spirit. What does sanctification mean? Setting apart. How, do, how are we set apart? Well, he begins to draw. He, he, he watch, he, picks us out and he begins to draw us. Oh, just us? No, he does it with the whole world, right? Jesus is that light, John 1, that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. We are, we are set aside by sanctification of, of the Spirit. Look at this. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Obedience. Wait, now watch. Man's role comes in. God draws and you know what? You can say No. You can say no. I mean, think think it through. If God just arbitrarily chooses, and you know, I have no, if you you have no choice at all, whatever God chooses, um, why a judgment? Isn't that kind of bizarre? He's going to judge you for not choosing Him, although He chose you not to choose Him. It's so illogical, and God is logic. (laughs) Yeah. And so here it is unto obedience of the uh, obedience. What did what did the father say twice? Here is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Right? Jesus said, "What ye must be born again." Obedience. Watch under the sprinkling of blood. So here is Peter. He is a Jew. He is very intimate with the Old Testament uh, sacrifices. He fully understood uh, the what it was to bring a lamb into the temple and have them slit the throat of that little lamb and take that blood and catch it in a basin and that priest would get his fingers in there and he would, he'd get that blood and he'd begin to sprinkle it upon the altar. He understood that. Under the sprinkling of the blood, right? Hebrews 9.22 tells us that almost all things are purged, uh, uh, all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding the blood is no remission. What do we have here? Elect through the sanctification, the drawing of the Holy Spirit under the sprinkling of blood. We have, we have a picture of our salvation. We have a picture of our salvation. Can I note it? Can I show you something else here? Yeah. There's no other way to Christ. Can I show you something else here? There's no mention of baptism. Right? There's no mention of baptism. What is it? How, 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 are, how are you elect? Well, the Spirit of God draws. You respond to the Spirit of God in, in obedience and faith. Right, and uh, uh, calling upon the name of the Lord, having your faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, it puts you in Christ. You immediately become the elect, as the offspring of Abraham became the elect in Abraham. Yeah. 
He's a born-again child of God. Peter is writing to Christians through the Roman Empire. You say, well, couldn't you have just told us that? There's a lot of stuff there. I want to show you some things. There's some assurances here, though. Assurances of our, of of who are, of being a part of the family of God. So Peter's writing to those that are scattered. Yeah, they're saints. Look at verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead to an inheritance in corruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you he says blessed be god here and that word blessed there means to to praise or to celebrate with praises why why does peter want to celebrate god with praises <laughs> right well look at the first thing here is abundant mercy blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy I was just going through Lamentations again and, and just reading over in Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. Again, I actually wrote it down so I remember the whole thing. It says, This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. Listen to that again. This I recall to my mind. Remember what is going on in Lamentations. Uh, Jeremiah um, uh, is warning there is a warning in Jeremiah. Lamentation is the mourning, right? M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. I think that's how you spell it. He's the, the weeping prophet. He's mourning over the condition of his people. He's mourning over the condition of his nation. And while he's in the depths of despair and mourning, he says this, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Boy, I don't know about you. I, I, I think it would be good to meditate on the, compa- the compassionate God that we have. And who is our Father? We've got to think about that sometimes a little more than we do, I think. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. The mercies of God. Over in Micah 7, 8, the Bible says that He delights in mercy. What a wonderful thing to, to meditate on that when you think about what you delight in. What do you delight in? Martin delights in ice cream, right? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people delight in Andy's, even more specific, Andy's custard. Some people, right, they delight in money. Some people <clears throat> delight in their family and having things around. Some people, there's things you can go through your own mind and think of the things that you delight in that just bring great joy. And the Holy Spirit of God made sure we knew that our God delights in mercy. I love that. And I love it. They're new every day. You know what we never get? We never get leftover mercy. It's not yesterday's mercy. It's always today's. It's all of it. It's every bit of it. I love it. And he, so, so he, the, here's some assurance here. He said, blessed be God. Why? Because he is abundant in mercy. And listen, there is assurance in mercy. We can have great assurance when we understand the mercy of God. Look again in verse 3, a lively hope. A lively hope. 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But this is not what Peter is saying here. He says we have a, a lively hope. Uh, Titus 1, 2, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised from, the, from before, promised before the world began. What is our hope? It's an eternal hope. It's a hope of eternal life. It's, it's not a hope-so salvation. This hope is a no-so. It's a confidence. It's a confident expectation that as by faith we know, 
We know this. We are confident that, uh, listen, we have eternal life and that life is in His Son and we are in Christ Jesus. And when, we, when this, when this uh, body decays and the, our eyes close in death and we leave this carcass here and we go on, that we will forever be with the Lord. That is the hope that we have. It's a lively hope. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Just turn back a little bit. Hebrews chapter 6. If you look at verse 18. Hebrews 6.18. You know what I do, right? 17. Look at 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, immutability of His counsel. It's unchanging. He's immutable. Confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay, to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have, look at this, as an anchor of the soul, as an anchor of the soul. What is your soul? It's your mind, your will, and emotions, right? You want to bring joy back to your life? You want to encourage your soul. You want to have a little bit of happiness, a little spring in your step again, right? Think about this hope. It's an anchor of the soul, this hope that we have, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Verse 20, whither the forerunners for us entered, even Jesus, made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You, you remember what this imagery was here. I've told you before what it is. That forerunner was the little ship that would take that anchor and it would, it would bring that, that anchor into the harbor. of The big ship would be out in the ocean, open ocean. The little ship would come, grab the anchor, and take it into harbor. Sometimes it, and it would like drop its anchor into harbor where it was calm, where it was restful, where it was peaceful, where the destination was. And that big ship would slowly pull that, pull that anchor in. It would drag him into harbor. And he, sometimes they'd sit out there until it was time to go in. And it wasn't time to go in. But that little forerunner would run into the harbor and set anchor. Right? This says, says here in Hebrews, what is Jesus? He is the forerunner. He, he, where, where is he? He's in heaven. He's the anchor of our soul. Where are we anchored? We're anchored in the harbor of heaven. What is he doing? He's just reeling us in slowly but surely. Yeah, the storm's coming. You're out on the ocean and the boat's doing this and the big ship's going around out in the open water. But listen, slowly as you're bouncing around, it's slowly, hallelujah, getting closer and closer and closer and closer and closer, getting closer to home. Listen, that's an assurance. That's the hope that we have. That is the hope that is a no, so we have that there is assurance in that, amen? We have assurance in the hope that we have there. But notice else in verse 3, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's abundant mercy that we have in Christ Jesus. There is a lively hope that we have in Christ Jesus. There is also, by, it's, it comes to us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have hope of eternal life. Watch this, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the, and, and called out and brought up that, that, that body, his physical body up again, is the same Holy Spirit that lives in our physical body. He dwells in us. We are sealed with the Spirit unto the day of redemption. Our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. There's no sin left in us to kill our spirit that's been made alive. And listen, that same Holy Spirit that dwells in 
us is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of assurance in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, when we think about our position, we think about our hope that's a lively hope. We think about uh, the abundant mercy. Uh, When we think here, look at this verse 4, about our inheritance incorruptible. We have an incorruptible inheritance, right? Look at, listen to Galatians 4, 6 through 7. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are heirs with, we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Everything that he has is ours. Right? Everything that Satan wanted and fell for, we got freely. Amen. You know why that's, that's, why, that's what chaps is hide. One of the things I'm sure it does. Right? And so we have an inheritance incorruptible. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon heaven, upon earth, I'm sorry, where moth nor rust doth corrupt, but lay, uh, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Our inheritance is in heaven. Right? Our inheritance is in heaven. It is incorruptible. Right? It is undefiled. It is undefiled. There is nothing that can defile our inheritance that is in heaven. There's nothing that can come in. Nobody can get into heaven and mess it up. Right? It is undefiled. It fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. I like that. Nobody's getting to that one. It's just waiting on us. It's just waiting. You know, there's, there's young people that at 18 years old, they're waiting to turn 18 because they're trust fund babies. <laughs> they, got, they got a load of money they're waiting on. They got a load of treasure they're waiting on, right? And they have that expectation to count down the days. You know, we have something better than a million dollars, a billion dollars, a trillion dollars. We have something better than all of the, everything in this world. I don't mean it to be cliched. It's just true. It's true. Our, our, our inheritance in heaven. You know what this will do? This will build an assurance for you. This will build assurance. It'll help you in your life to know, to remember we have an incorruptible inheritance. And look at verse 5, kept by the power of God. I'm almost done here. We're going to come to a close here in just a minute. Kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God. That word kept there means to attend to carefully, to take care of, to guard. To guard. Can I tell you, we are taken care of, we are protected, we are watched over. Watch, this salvation we have, this position we have in Christ, this, this uh, inheritance that we have, this hope that we have, it is kept, it is guarded. We are guarded by the power of God. Yep. Do I have to tell you that he's strong? Do I have to tell you that he is all-powerful, that he is omnipotent, that there is no other God beside him? Do I have to tell you that? Yeah. How many watch? Anybody watch the Chiefs lose last week? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You watch football sometimes. If you ever watch football, there's a fumble, and man, here comes the pile. And you'll watch. You'll see. 30 and 30 guys or something and they're they're you know these guys aren't you know this isn't you know the soccer team this is a football team 
Sorry if you like soccer, it's totally un-American. But this is this is football, and they're you know three hundred pound guys, and they're diving on each other. And there's one guy in the bottom, hanging on to that ball for dear life, and they're pulling his arm, and he's you know, can I you know I, I what's he doing? He's keeping that ball, he's protecting it, he's guarding it, he's attending to it carefully. Why? Because well, if he's the other team that got the ball, man, this is awesome, right? If he's the team that lost the ball and he jumped back on it, you better keep keep hold of that. You're going to be mud, right? When you go to the locker room, I mean, he's holding on, and I mean, people. Can I tell you something? We are guarded by God Himself, and I don't care how many people think they could pile on Him. It isn't going to happen. It's not. It's not going to happen. John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. <laughs> we are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. And listen, we are protected. This is the assur- this is assurance in the keeping power of God. No wonder Peter said, Blessed be God. Amen. Blessed be God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Yeah. Let me remind you who's he writing to? He's writing to a bunch of scattered believers living in a difficult situation. Look at verse six. Verse six back here at first Peter. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. They're rejoicing, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, right, they're having struggle, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Watch, they are experiencing manifold temptations, manifold testings. Peter is writing to these believers to encourage them, to give them some assurances as they live through the hard times. As they live through the hard times, there's some assurance that we have if you're in Christ Jesus. No matter what the world takes away from you, no matter how hard the persecution is, no matter how the trials seem to be stacking up and stacking up on you, no matter uh, how much you might lose in this life, even if you lose it all. Listen, if you lose everything like Job did, listen, if you are a born-again child of God, you have assurance tonight still. You have hope tonight still. You have an inheritance tonight still. You are still on Christ Jesus tonight. And your inheritance is still in heaven. That no matter if the whole entire planet blows up, nobody can get to that. You're going right there immediately. I love that. The world can take everything away. But they can't touch Jesus. They can't. And the, you know what? And they can't get to your inheritance either. <laughs> there's no code. There's no lock. Right? There's nothing like that. God's got it all squared away. And can I tell you, like that man tattooed from head to toe, head to toe, because all he's experienced, obviously, a lot of loss in his life. He, like all of those just like him, needed to know this tonight. You know, you don't need the tattoo, because that's going to go away too. What you need is Jesus. You need Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what trials you're facing tonight. 
I don't know if you're like the guy who had all taken all this so much taken away from him he couldn't handle it obviously. If your eye listen, if your eyes have been focusing on your losses tonight, God wants you to focus on what you have in Christ tonight. Yeah. Yeah. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. <laughs> Amen. Listen, don't don't let the trials hurt your heart. Don't let the trials take your heart from God. Don't let listen. Focus on what you have tonight. What an encouragement. Father, we thank you for that tonight. <clears throat> thank you no matter what goes on in this life, no matter how much failure comes, no matter how much disappointment comes, no matter how much loss comes in our life, it doesn't matter. We can never get outside of Christ. And we thank you for that tonight. We thank you for the assurance that we have tonight in Christ and that hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and in our salvation. Thank you for that tonight. Lord, I don't know how, you wanna, how you're working on people's hearts tonight and what the needs are tonight. And I just pray that whatever the need is, that tonight we would run to you and we'd rest, we'd rest tonight. There's therefore now a rest for the people of God, you said over in Hebrews, that we'd rest tonight in the assurance that we have in you and that we'd praise you and bless your name and rejoice in what you've given to us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Father, the world needs to see this in us. They desperately need this. And I pray that we would help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand if you would, please. The instrument is going to play over there, and I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you. You just take some time. Maybe you just need to take a little time tonight. Get alone with the Lord and just bless His name and rejoice and thank Him for what we have in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're going through some things tonight that nobody knows about and you're really struggling. You just need to be reminded tonight that you're secure in Christ. Though your life may feel like it's scattered everywhere, like it's just all over the place, like these believers were, regardless of the scattering, that you're secure in Christ tonight and you have everything in Him. You have a lively hope. And we're just heading home. Amen. Brother Chris, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?